Amen. You, you, you can't have a seat. I won't make you stand up the whole time. I appreciate having the opportunity. I've been called up to the majors uh, you know, to fill in for Casey while he's on the DL. So I uh, feel good about that, not having to ride in the bus. I get to take the nice stuff. Never mind. Anyways, so I feel really fortunate, actually, because I, when I was asked, you know, when I volunteered to do this, I really didn't pay that much attention to the passage. And you know, I looked at Ephesians chapter 3 that we're doing today. I'm like, oh, this is, this is packed full of stuff. Usually when somebody stands up here and says it's packed full of stuff, somebody that likes to talk, you might be in trouble. But no, I got out two minutes early the first service, so there's hope. Uh, so I'll try. Have you ever felt like you were just completely out of place somewhere? Like you just did not belong? Uh, I, I, I can think of one particular time a few years ago, uh, we, the family decided, I think it was the, one of the fall holidays, we decided we had a couple days off, so we decided that we would go up to Chicago and kind of spend the day there. It was one of those free days at Shedd Aquarium, which is not really free. Uh, but we, so we stayed next to Willis Tower, Sears Tower, whatever you call that big tower. Now, we stayed right next to there, and we, we just kind of hung out for, for a couple of days. We went to Shedd. We went to just, you know, had some pizza and all that good stuff. Portillo's like four times. Uh, and uh, we went to Michigan Avenue and, and shopped. And now, you know the dynamics of my family by now. There's four boys and Amy. So Amy is forced to go to a lot of sports stores. So we're like Michigan Avenue, sweet. You got Nike Town, you got the Under Armour place, you got all the cool fan stores and like Water Tower. You got all this really cool stuff. And so we're like really excited to go and we went to all the stores. Great. Well, I think Amy had mentioned something at one point about going to a store. And I think all of us kind of like ignored her. And then when we got there, we went into the store called American Girl, and the four of us are like, what are we doing here? So we're trying to act cool, like looking, oh, this has got a beautiful uh, complexion for a doll, and this outfit would go really well with it, and no, we were so out of place. Felt bad for Amy, because she's like, yeah, she's enjoying it, but we're like, let's get out of here. And then... A few years ago, just a couple of years ago, I think, I think Drew, I told him we were going to use this. Actually, I told him after I already used it first service. But Drew, Drew had to buy a little gift, you know, a little gift he had to buy. So I helped him. I'm the shopper of the family. So I'm like, we'll go and we'll try to find something small. And uh, we went to this place on the west side of Springfield that had just opened called Charming Charlie's. Hey, guys, that Charlie's not a dude. And, and it took all of about 10 seconds for Drew and I to walk in that door, and we looked at each other like, what are we doing here? <laughs> Luckily, fortunate for us, some young uh, lady that worked there noticed the fact that there were two people that were completely out of place and overwhelmed, and so they helped us, and then I think we ended up ordering something on Amazon. Judgment-free zone on Amazon. <laughs> anyway, but have you ever felt like that? Just somewhere where you're completely out of place. Now, the fortunate thing about those two places is when we went, is we didn't, we didn't be made to feel like that. People didn't make us feel out of place. We just felt awkward and out of place. But I bet some of you have been in positions or in places that you have been made very clear that you're not welcome there, that you're not part, that you don't belong. Anybody's ever seen Pretty Woman? Amy loves the movie Pretty Woman. If you've seen that, you remember the scene where... Um, uh, 
Julie Roberts is, is shopping on Rodeo Drive, and she walks into one of the fancy shops, and they treat her like she does not belong there. And I, I grew up, again, I, I went to a Christian school, and, you know, we have a Christian school here in town, and I don't know that some of you are aware of this. May, I'm sure that you do if you went to it. Uh, it's hard to transition into high school from going to a private school. It really is. Uh, and I, I seriously, going into my high school, I thought I was going to be beat up every day. I thought I was going to be, you know, I thought I was going to have all sorts of trouble. And some of that happened. I didn't get beat up every day because it turns out I was bigger than a lot of people. So that helps. But, but going into sports, like joining the basketball team and the baseball team, and I was pretty good at both. Um, I, it was a few times that I was made pretty clear that I wasn't part of that team that I was from someplace else, that I didn't really belong. And it took me a long time to kind of earn that belonging. I remember growing up, you know, like I said many times, I had a large, very large immediate family, cut lots of cousins, lots of second cousins. And growing up in the 80s, 70s, uh, 80s, you know, step, step families weren't really, I mean, they were a thing, you know, with like the Brady Bunch, but they weren't really commonplace. Now, they're very commonplace. Um, and I remember one of my uncles had been divorced, and he remarried uh, a woman who had a son that was my age. Actually, we're like six days apart, and he's older, which I remind him of that all the time. <laughs> six days apart, and then he, they had a daughter. And there were f- several family functions that I can remember where people got to talking, and they treated them like they were outsiders that they didn't belong in the family. They were, they were outsiders that had just happened to have joined the family. And, it, and it's taken 30 years, and they still haven't got to that point. And people remind them of that, which is sad. But you've probably been in some of those situations, maybe not family, but maybe something else, where you've been told that you didn't belong. Paul is writing his letter to the Ephesians to a group of people that have been treated that exact same way. You see, Paul wrote his letter to the Ephesians to specifically a group of people inside the church that were Gentiles. Now, you had the early church, you had population of Jews and you had a population of Gentiles. Now, if you're familiar with the story, by the way, we're in Ephesians chapter 3, if you want to turn while I'm talking. Uh, what happened was, is that as the, as the Gentiles started becoming Christians, the Jews said, now, wait a minute. Wait just a minute. If they're going to be Christians... They got to they got to become a Jew first. Now, if you're like a a dude, a guy that's older, that doesn't sound very fun. Okay, that would be bad. But <laughs> so, but the Jews and even the church in Jerusalem, even like where Peter and you know Jesus' brother were, they're like to become a Christian, to become a true Christian, you had to go through the snip snip process if you were a guy and you had to become a Jew. And Paul, ironically enough, who was a Pharisee, he said he was the Pharisee of Pharisees. He knew the law backwards and forwards, and Paul was like, No, you don't. And the Jerusalem church is like, Yeah, you do. Paul's like, No, you don't. And it just went back and forth for a while. They couldn't agree. Uh, until finally, I think Paul won. Good for him. But there were there was a time in the early church when to become a Christian, it was believed that you had to follow the ritualistic steps to become a Jew. So the Gentiles in the church that had not done that were being looked down upon because they had not 
converted. Now, you know if you're a parent or a teacher that sometimes when one of your kids or one of your students kind of mess up or if you have a nice life lesson you want to give them, you're talking to them, but you want to make it very clear that all the other kids hear you, right? We've all been there. Paul's doing the same thing. He's writing specifically to this group of people, the Gentiles, but he wants to make very clear that the Jews in Ephesus hear this. And the first three chapters of Ephesians are talking about all of this. And so I challenge you this week to read Ephesians start to finish, ignore chapters, ignore verses, and just read it and kind of see what's going on. Because we've had a tendency over the years, a lot of people have taken some of these passages in Ephesians and kind of turned them into something that's completely not intended. Paul talks about predestination. He talks about being chosen. And now some people take those passages and turn them into their own sort of thing. But that's not Paul's intent. Paul's intent through Ephesians chapter 1 through 3 is to tell the Gentiles and the Jews alike that they are all one family under God. Jew, Greek, slave, or free, you're all under God's family. God the Father. And so now, Paul in chapter 3 here that I'm going to read is a prayer written so that the Ephesian church can hear what he's praying. And to me, this is the key transitional passage for the rest of the book because he kind of turns gears, which I'll explain in a second. But if, you're, if you have your Bibles or your devices, whatever, Ephesians chapter 3, I'm going to read 14 through 21. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through the Holy Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Say it with me. Amen. You see what Paul's praying? He's praying that this church understands that they are all one family. Gentile, Jew, male, female, slave, free. They're all part of the family of God. God is the father of all. And it's important for the church to realize that before he can go any further with his instructions that you will find in chapters 4 through 6 coming up that Mark and Casey will touch on. But look at this prayer. First off, he starts, for this reason. Now, something that Mark talked about a couple times over the past few weeks is that divine conjunction. You know, it, it connects two thoughts. And a lot of times you'll see scriptures that start with therefore, or and, or but, or in this case, for this reason. And what I want to be clear, if you're not familiar with this, is that if you start, you can't start there. You have to go back to what it's referring to. 
it's always been a, a thing, I think, I think I got it in college, was if you ever see a therefore in Scripture, you have to look back to see what it's there for. All right? Write that down if you want. There's no <laughs> but if you see a therefore or anything that's a conjunction idea, you have to look to see where it came from. Otherwise, you're taking it completely out of context. So Paul says, for this reason. Well, what reason? Well, every reason that I just mentioned. For this reason. For the reason is that you Gentiles and you Jews are part of the same family. For this reason, I'm writing this. So that we understand that we are all a part of God's family. The Father by which he derives his name. Now, one thing I have to talk about quickly to get this out. How many of you have found yourself struggling with a step process to get into heaven? You, you feel like there's this ladder that you have to climb, like these rungs that you have to do. Well, I have to give 10% to, to the church. I have to read my Bible. I have to go to church. I get bonus points if I go to Sunday school. I got to read scripture. I got to... I got to love people. I got to tell people about Jesus. I got to do this, 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 and this. And then I'm going to be in pretty good shape when I get to those pearly gates. You ever found yourself doing that? Like climbing these ladders, these to-do items to check off your list to get into heaven. Am I the only one? I hope not. (laughs) You find yourself doing that all the time. We try to build ourselves up. To get to that spot where we can connect with Jesus. Where we can connect with God. Where we can get in to heaven. I got news for you today. Tear down the ladder. Get rid of it. There is not a single thing that we can do. Hear me. Not one thing that we can do. Not one step. Not becoming a Jew if we're a Gentile. Not doing this. Not giving sacrifices of rams and doves. Not of going to church every week, not of reading your Bible every week, not of going to Sunday school, not giving your money to church. None of those things are going to get us any closer to the steps to get to heaven. You know what is? One thing. And that's from God. We can't climb that ladder to Jesus, to God. God came down from that ladder. That's the only way. For us to be a part of God's family is for him to come down from his throne. That divine escalator. Send his son to die for us so that we can be part of his family. You've got to understand. If there's one thing I want you to take from this this message, it's that. That there is nothing that you can do. Nothing that you can do. God is the one that did it. That's what's so amazing about grace. Is that we do not deserve it. And yet he still chose to do it. So if you find yourself climbing that ladder, embrace the fact that God already took care of the ladder for you. Now, none of those things that I mentioned are bad. Going to church reading your Bible, going to Sunday school, all those things are great. And actually, Paul talks about those in the rest of Ephesians. He talks about relationships. He talks about how to deal with different relationships, whether marriage, whether your work, 
It talks about being holy and blameless by not letting anything unclean come out of your lips. But the point of the, but the fact of the matter is that all of that stuff comes after. We do those things not out of obligation, not out of a, a, a religion to get to heaven. We do those things because we love God. Because we appreciate the fact that Jesus came and died for us. That is why we do all of those things. Okay? So he goes on. I pray that out of his glorious riches, and listen to the words that he uses about God, because he wants to make very clear that God is the one doing this all. This is God's thing. This is not a man thing. This is not a woman thing. This is not a me thing. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in what? Love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, he's called us to love the same way. Jill read it this morning. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. We called to love. And until we get all of that stuff figured out, that we're part of one family, that we're called to love each other, it's not going to go very well for us. You know, one of Jesus' prayers, we talk about the Lord's Prayer being our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, right? We're all familiar with that probably. There's another prayer of Jesus that I think is truly the Lord's Prayer, and that is in John chapter 17, right before he's going to be arrested. He prays. He prays for three people, or for three groups of people. He prays for himself, he prays for his disciples, his followers at the time. He prays for us. And in both of those instances, he prays for something very specific for every one of us, and that's that we may be one as he and the Father are one. He prays for unity. Why? Because he knows that's going to be a problem for us. Why? Because we're people. And people are the worst. Right? We say it. Yeah, they're the worst. We are the worst. We have our own ideas. We have our own stuff to deal with. And we have a hard time getting along. So Jesus prayed for that. Paul is reminding us we are all part of this family. Rooted in love. Love is the most important thing. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 the love chapter, right, that we hear about weddings. It's not about weddings at all. Now, if you're married, you should be patient, kind, you know. You should do all those steps in 1 Corinthians 13. But 1 Corinthians 13 is written to a church because they couldn't get along because they were jealous of each other's gifts. Well, I can't sing. Why can't I play guitar like him? Why can't I play drums like him? Why can't I preach like him? Why can't I speak in tongues? Why can't I prophesy? I want to do those things. And Paul talks about the body of Christ right before that, how each body, how each member of the church is arguing and complaining about their role. It's like the, the eye is saying, well, I want to be an ear. Or the big toe is saying, I want to be a finger. And it's like Paul's like, none of those things matter apart from love. We have to be rooted, founded in love. So going on. So that we may have power together with all the saints. That's important. All the saints. We personalize and individualize this gospel message way too much. My Jesus, my God, my church. We're family. It's ours. It's for everyone. It is not mine. And if it is mine, I'd better be giving it away. 
because that's what we're called to do. So all the saints, together with the church, so that we may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide, long, high, and deep is the love of Christ. That the love of Christ is all-inclusive. Wide, deep, long. It encompasses us all. Again, slave or free, Jew or Gentile, male or female. And the one thing, the overarching thing that I want to take out of this today is that Jews and Gentiles were finding their identity in something very, very inconsequential. Race, religion, nationality. We do the same thing. We find our identity in some of the stupidest things. I'm a Democrat. I'm a Republican. I'm conservative. I'm liberal. I'm a Cub fan. Well, you really should repent of that. I'm a Cardinal fan. I mean, there is a step ladder for that. You really should get rid of that. Just kidding. Uh, but we find identity in the weirdest things, right? We do. And if we don't, until we find our identity in Christ, we're not going to be very effective. That's the only identity that we should that we should embrace. So when somebody asks you, "Who are you?" I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. We've been singing that every week. Child of God. Yes, I am. Sometimes we find our identity in our sin. What we've done. Oh, I'm a I'm an addict. Jesus can never forgive me. I'm a I'm a liar. I'm an adulterer. Jesus could never forgive me. I'm a murderer, a thief. Jesus could never forgive me. And you start to identify yourself in those things. So hear me carefully. If you identify yourself as Republican, Democrat, Jew, Gentile, man, woman, however you identify yourself, you identify yourself with a dragon, I don't care. If it's apart from Christ, it's no good. And you are wasting your time. You're wasting it. You're wasting your life. It is not until we find our identity in the Father that we can function as a church. That we can function with love for our families. And so if you, if you haven't you know, embraced the fact that, that Jesus died for you, if you're still struggling with those sin issues, like, I'm not good enough, I don't belong, Jesus says, come. Come. The woman at the well. Yeah, you've got some sin in your life. The adulteress that was getting ready to be stoned. Yeah, you've got some sin in your life. Just come to me. Just come. Be a part of the family of God. Let's pray. God, you move mountains to forgive us you you came from your throne gave yourself up on that cross so that we could be part of your family so that we could be adopted by you god help us each and every one of us to find our identity in that fact that we are all one family and you are our father maybe may we be rooted and established in love so that we can be here for each other and for the community around us. God, for those that have not accepted your grace, your love, have not understood the power 
Christ. I just pray that they can come to a better understanding today, that they can embrace that, they can call out to you, and you'll forgive them. Thank you, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you please stand.